Content warning. Death, bodily harm, and gunshots. Moss Hollow, Episode 10, The Strike. The signalman swings his lantern wide. I adjust my eyes, following the mile of tracks stretching into the morning light. The ties are covered in dense green moss. These probably haven't been used in decades. Lacey looks up from her place on the ground. Y'all are being so fucking cryptic. I appreciate your help, but when a man dies in spite of everything I did to help him, I want some more answers. And I want my fucking foot back. You're right, he says. It's not just a matter of lifting and closing the veil. Things aren't that simple. He sets the lantern down into a patch of flattened grass. Here, let the lantern guide you for a moment. Glancing between him and the lantern, we cautiously wait for something to happen. His face is blank. There's something indescribable about him. The lines in his face are deepened by the shadows around us. How can the lantern guide us anywhere when I can't walk and the moss will give us away anyway? There's no way for us to escape. I give Lacey a glance that asks her to have some more patience, but she is holding back tears. In spite of all that's happened, this is the first time I've seen her truly scared. Escape? Well, yeah, the spirit finds us through the moss. It's worse when we touch it. Look at the light, he says again. I'm still reeling from the train wreck, but I try to focus. The flame is almost perfectly still. The glass is stained with soot. Then the shadows start to move in a flickering motion, like an old-fashioned projector when the film runs out. I stare at the glass. I can see the shadow of my legs in the reflection. The grass begins to breathe and sway. I try to slow my heartbeat, but I'm swimming in adrenaline. I feel the roots under my feet again. The legs of insects, the slow shift of soil. My feet feel swollen in my shoes. I listen for the roots again, to feel them in my body, guiding me, telling us where to go. Roots push toward the tracks, The cross tie we pulled out is thrumming now, like it has its own pulse. The moss behaves the way coral does underwater. Then it glows, spreading from one patch to the next until the entire length of track emits a soft light into the distance. The roots can do more than just guide you. He kneels and places his palm into the grass. Beetles and crickets surge out and scatter. Lacey jumps, but I watch the insects delicately move across his fingers and then disappear. I feel the roots in my nerves. My joints feel limber. Place your hand down, he says to both of us. (gasps) Now, what do you want to know? How to find How to kill the thing that's following us. Lacey, start smaller, he suggests. Can I get my foot back? He bows his head down again. In the lantern's glass, I see Lacey's legs, too. A vine creeps around her ankle and wraps up her leg. Lacey! But when I look at her legs, they're normal. I don't see any vines. I stare at the lantern again. The leaves shoot from the vines and grow large, hiding her legs from visibility. 
I will myself to think of a clear image of Lacey's legs being free. The reflection isn't telling the truth somehow. In my mind, I ask the vines in the glass to release her. The roots in the ground are pulsing. Slowly, the leaves wither and begin to shrink away. The vines pull themselves back into the earth. The glass shows me a different image of Lacey. She's calm and healthy. Her face is bright. Her ankles are visible. I can see what's in place of her foot. Lacey, do you see this? See what? It's showing me an idea for your foot. What? What do I do? You can create a new foot somehow. You might not like it. I'll do it. Just tell me what to do. Okay, well, I think you're supposed to ask the roots to help you. She concentrates, but after a minute, nothing has changed. The signalman is quiet. She asks me to help her over to the cross tie. We sit on it together, wondering if the oak spirit can help her with asking. Another few minutes go by with her eyes closed. Anything? I ask. No. Ugh, this is bullshit. She buries her face in her hands. Don't give up yet. We've come this far. She says nothing. Maybe we should try asking together. I take her hand. Let's ask again, okay? Before the words have left my mouth, the oak makes its presence known. This is our chance. Oak spirit, please help Lacey with her foot. Then she screams with pain. The veins in her legs darken and small sprouts push from her ankle. She grips me and I hang on to her to keep her stable. Roots tangle together. A couple reach for the ground, but the other tendrils coil together into a mass. My hands are hurting. I have burns on my forearms, but I ignore it. Lacey is writhing in pain. Finally, the oak spirit relents and sinks back into the wood. Lacey has a new foot. We pull our hands toward us. My skin is badly burned. My hands are blistered and peeling. Touching the hot metal is catching up to us now. The signalman kneels down by us. Lacey can't stop crying. He takes Lacey's hands in his and swiftly blows into her palms. She catches her breath, and he does it again. It's passed down in my family that some of us can blow the fire out of a burn. <laughs> That's just superstition, she argues. Do your hands still hurt? Lacey wants to fight him, but she examines her hands. Still scarred, but no more pain. He scoops up my hands this time. His breath is a cold relief. I can close my fingers into my palm like nothing happened. My skin is smooth. Thank you. He walks away when Lacey tries to get a better look at her foot. It's a mass of roots. The sun is rising now, and there's enough light to see. The tracks still glow to the point where they curve out of sight. I uh, uh, don't she says, trying to maneuver her leg. Lacey, I... I wanted to... Don't. We sit in silence. He returns with our belongings and his lantern. He places the book in my lap, then rests the Angelica across it like a holy ritual. I open the book and look at Lacey, who's turned away from me. I rest the Angelica on a blank page. Veins shimmer to the surface, calling for their new spirit. The Angelica absorbs into the book like it's sinking into water. It looks like the book sustained some damage. 
The spine is blackened and pieces of bark are curled away from the heat. Thank God this didn't catch fire. Reading my mind, the signalman says, It'll work. Just ask it. I move off the cross tie and hold my hand out to Lacey to help her stand, but she shoves my arm away and sits on the ground. Maybe she's still in pain. I flip to a new page and close my eyes. I imagine the oak in the book. I feel kind of silly, but when I open my eyes, the cross tie is gone and the page pulses with a new spirit. The signalman carefully opens the lantern and with his bare hand pulls out the flame. We watch in shock as he lets it dance in his palm. This is for helping the railman. It's only then that I realize this is a gift. With his other hand, he drags Lacey's palm closer. Before doing anything, he looks into her eyes for permission. I think she's too scared to say anything. She purses her lips and furrows her brows. That looks more like her. Fierce. Angry. He places the flame into her hand and closes her fingers over it. That's to take with you. Oh my god, he's sending us away already. I can tell. We never have much time to get the answers we need. But at least Lacey can walk again. I can tell she's not ready. I pull our things closer and stuff the book as carefully as I can down into my pack. I hold Lacey's blanket and set the camera into her lap. What does the flame do? I ask. It's the flame of the dead. Lacey turns her hand over. Luckily, she's not in pain. At least, not her hands. You'll learn it. He looks at me, and his eyes are warm. But there's a hint of worry, and I'm scared of what's coming next. Don't be afraid of the moss. It's your fear, not the moss itself. Have courage. As I said, I help where I can. Can you come with us? I need to stay to protect this place and put it to rest. The veil isn't a door you open and close. It reveals memories, but it's not always safe. We hear rustling beyond the trees. Large, slow footsteps lurch through the leaves. But it's not the darkness that's hunting us, otherwise we'd hear the humming. What is that? Not everything beyond the veil is safe. It's time. A family of deer emerge a few yards away. I notice their ears in the dim light first. But when they lift their heads toward us, their eyes glow. I don't want them to come any closer. He holds the empty lantern to our faces and says, Look beyond the glass. It'll show you where to go. I can't shake the feeling that where we're going is just as dangerous. If we're meant to release harm from the land, then we have to face whatever caused the harm in the first place. I lie and say, I'm ready. In the lantern's reflection is a tree. My chest tightens. The silhouette of branches blows in the wind. The motion quickly shifts to shadows of people running. All I hear is the trees. When I blink, we're there, at the foot of the tree. <laughs> the signalman is gone. I start sweating immediately in the intense heat. We're in town, and it must be midday. We're by a small grove, adjacent to some ramshackle wooden buildings that face each other. There are power lines, but none of the roads are paved. A group of men are walking down a main road toward a building close to us. I turn to Lacey when she says, 
How could you? Lacey, are you okay? I reach out to touch her, and she shoves me again. You... I can't tell if she's holding words back or if she just can't think of what to say. What is it? I challenge her. You asked the oak spirit when you knew what it would do to my foot. That's what the lantern showed. I wanted my foot back, not this fucked up shit. I told you, you might not like it. She scoffs and turns away, placing her hand on the tree. I asked for what was shown because I knew you needed to be able to walk. Fuck you. The bark is quaking on the tree. I did exactly what I would have decided for myself if things were reversed. Next to us, berries begin to drop. I realize it's a rowan tree. Bullshit! What have you sacrificed, huh? You have it so fucking what the easy. Hell? Moss Hollow is practically all. a vacation for you to work your to little summer camp job. And all you do what do you know about real work? Down, you fucking you Patagonia princess with your nice camping gear you. and your can-do fuck-off attitude. To trust each other. Oh, trust? You want me to trust you? Didn't you tell me you didn't trust my judgment? Why is that? Because you think I'm some backwards hick who can't think of for myself? I don't think that. I found the man that we were supposed to help. And meanwhile, you caused all of this shit. Claire is missing because of you. You took everything from me. My job, my car, my fucking foot. Everything I had to my name is gone. I already have nothing. If you hadn't showed up at the gas station, my life would be fine. Lacey, don't touch me. I don't need your help. I'm going to get back myself. I force back my tears. Lacey, it's not a good idea to go on your own. Nearby, men are shouting. They're angry. One pounds on a door. Where are you going by yourself? I'm going to find a fucking mirror and yeet myself to the gas station. (laughs) Wait! Thinking quickly, I reach toward a low branch on the tree. This can be a walking stick. I pull with all my weight to break it off. She's right. I couldn't help my dad. I couldn't help Claire. And now I'm useless helping her too. With anger I haven't felt since my dad died, I rip the branch off and run towards her. Lacey, don't leave me! Men are standing shoulder to shoulder, yelling at the door to open up. When it does, a handful of armed men step out onto the makeshift porch. Luckily, no one notices us. A man in a suit threatens the group, commanding them to leave. The branch starts to feel heavy in my hands. At a nearby house, there is a man standing in a doorway, holding a poultice to his chest. He's having trouble breathing, but his eyes are fixed on the mob. A woman steps out, his wife I'm guessing, and asks him if he needs more hot water. He starts coughing violently. She replaces the cloth with a new one. I just now realized that I left all my belongings and the book under the tree. It's okay, I'll get Lacey back, and we'll get out of this place and figure out what to do next. Lacey is fast in spite of her foot. Lacey! I call again. I pass a man with a mule and overhear someone say to him, If your mule dies in the mine, they send you off. But if one of us dies, they just replace us anyway. They both give the kind of laugh that you only share through misery. The man on the porch coughs again. I can tell the workers with the mule want to approach him to see how he is, but they don't want to leave the group. There is a commotion behind me as the men arguing at the doorway get shoved backward. 
More threats are screamed. We have to get out of here. When I look around, I've lost her. <laughs> Where is she? The crowd gets louder. The threat of violence hovers in the air like toxic gas that can ignite at any moment. The mule cries out in fear. Then gunshots ring in the air. Men are screaming now, and some are running toward me. Lacey! Some of them are trying to wrestle the rifles away from the men at the doorway. One gets hit across the face with the butt of a gun. Another armed man shoots into the crowd this time. The man in the suit is mobbed. Meanwhile, more shots ring out. A man near me falls backward. I run toward the house, which is closest to me. I head toward the door, but the coughing man re-emerges. He sees me. We lock eyes, when suddenly, he's shot in the chest. His eyes go wide, and he crumples to the ground. The poultice is still in his hand. I grab his shoulders to see if he's still breathing. Oh my god, oh my god. The woman inside shrieks. Hey, hey. Then I hear her. Miss Anna? She sounds close, but I can tell she's far away somehow. Claire. His wife is pulling him to face her. She is checking the wound. He's still alive. Nearby, more men have been shot. The workers are screaming at the men with guns, at each other. Some drag their dead friends off the street. Oh my god. <laughs> A force blows me backward. I'm on the ground. Before I know what happened, I'm looking down at my arm. I've dropped the rowan branch. My arm is bleeding. I've been shot. More men run past me. I drag myself backward, away from more stray bullets. Anna! I have to go help her. Meanwhile, the wife throws the poultice aside, and it lands next to me. I grab it to move it out of the way, but instead of throwing it again, I reach for the rowan branch before it's too late. I forget I can't move my wounded arm without feeling searing pain. Finally, I'm up. Dazed, I step off the porch and follow the men who are running. It just now hits me that I took the branch from the tree without permission. Fuck! I don't know what it represents, but probably something pretty important if I've been shot. I managed to break into a jog. Rowan spirit, I'm sorry I took you from the tree. I wasn't thinking. My camp shirt is wet with blood. I can't turn back to the tree now. Please, help me. I need you. I don't hear Claire anymore. I trip and fall hard. When I lift myself up, I see a trough. That's it. My legs are shaking with adrenaline. I lean over the trough and face my reflection in the dirty water. Take me to Claire. Moss Hollow is written and performed by Melinda Beck. Original music by Kendall Winter. Mountain Foley by Melody Parrish. If you know someone who would enjoy Moss Hollow, feel free to share it with them, especially over the weekend in our last dwindling days of October. Thanks for listening and see you on Halloween. Halloween.